I tell my wife and kids all the time, it's like, it's not my issues, you're the one with issues. Okay, that's kind of how it works around our family. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Welcome everybody to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. And it's a new year. You're alive. You made it through another year. That's worth celebrating. The days are getting longer. That's good news as well. But what I really want to celebrate today is what God did at our church over Christmas. And maybe you saw these numbers on social media, but we had 64,086 people attend across our nine campuses. Isn't that unbelievable? People say today, you know, young people aren't going to church, people aren't going to church, and then I see things like this, and I just think, oh, thank you, God, that you are still at work in the world today. But here's the number that we get really excited about, 2,626 decisions to follow Jesus Christ. I made a decision like that over 20 years ago now on a dorm room couch up near St. Cloud. I remember getting down on my knees, and I just said, God, I need you. And I was just at this place in life where I had never been before. I was kind of at rock bottom, and I thought, I need a Savior. And I I remember praying, Jesus, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sin, that you would save me. And that was the best decision I've ever made. It was the best moment of my life. It was really what changed my life. And so I hope today, as you look back on Christmas of 2019, if you were one of those that made a decision to follow Christ, that you would look back on it the same way. And you would say, boy, that's when things really begin to change for me. For all of us, if you're looking for a way to grow in your faith this year, we're doing something called Grow 2020. So we're going to give you 20 Bible reading plans for 20 days in the year 2020. All you got to do is text the word GROW 2020 to 555-888, and we'll send you those materials for free. Be a great way to start out the new year and just to have a habit of reading God's word every day. All right, today we are beginning a new series called I've Got Issues, and it's true, I've got issues. I tend to eat too much sugar. Every year I'm like, oh, I'm going to cut sugar out of my diet. I get all excited, and then I'm like, no, sugar tastes really good. I'm going to keep eating it. I also tend to yell at my kids to get in the car because we're going to be late, but then I, I get there 15 minutes early. So I'm like, get in the car, we're going to be late. I'm threatening every consequence known to man, and then we get there, and my kids are like, sweet, thanks. Now we get to sit in the car for 10 minutes waiting for the doors to open because you were giving us a heart attack to get here. I do this thing where I'll have conversations with people in my head, not imaginary people, they're they're real people, but I'll be planning out what I'm going to say in a conversation and so I'll be walking around the house and my lips will be moving but nothing's coming out. And so I'll be like, and my daughter has started to do this thing where she'll go, dad, who are you talking to? That's a little bit of a weird one. I will clean up the dinner table before my wife's done eating. My wife is the slowest eater that I have ever met, and I have no patience. And it is a bad combination, because about two-thirds of the way through, she's looking around like, where's the ketchup? Where's the sour cream? I'm like, you're done. Okay, we're done with dinner. We're just, we're just wrap it up, land the plane. We're done with this thing. I also have been cheering for the Los Angeles Lakers a little bit this year, which according to my oldest son is a major issue. Now, those are some more humorous ones, but I've got serious issues as well. I raise my voice and lose my temper far more than at times than I want. I can be negative and critical. I get tired and crabby. I hate when I get like that. I put pressure on people around me, and I can be a control freak. I have issues, and those are just the ones I'm comfortable sharing in front of thousands of people. I'm guessing you've got some issues 
as well. Today's message is titled Anxiety. We, for many people, this is a major issue. In fact, according to author Robert Leahy, the average high school student today carries with them the same level of anxiety that a psychiatric patient had in the 1950s. According to Harvard Business Review, 80% of all hospital-related visits from adults are stress-related. We are living in the age of anxiety. We have become a nation of nervous wrecks. In fact, can you ever remember in high school thinking, you know, what if I don't score high enough on the ACT? And then what if I don't get a scholarship into the school that I wanted? And then what if I don't get the job that I've always dreamed of? But what if you get that job, I got to move to a different state. And what if I move to the state and I can't really afford the housing? So then I have to get roommates. But then what if we start having roommate drama and I really want to move out, but I can't move out because I haven't met the one? And what if I'm single my whole life? And what if I end up not meeting the one and then you meet the one? And so you go on a date. And you go on more dates and more dates and more dates and you meet their family and they meet your family. But what if they don't like your family? And what if they want to move to a different state because they don't want to be around your family? And are you going to have kids? And how many kids are you going to have? Are you going to private school, public school, home school? Are you going to cloth diaper? Are you going to disposable diapers? Are you going to get car insurance, home insurance, life insurance? What if you can't afford all that? What if you end up going into debt? What if you then look on social media and find out that your high school friends are doing way better than you are doing? So you go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, you go on Snapchat, you go on MySpace? I don't think MySpace is really a thing anymore. Thank you, TJ. <laughs> Here's what anxiety is. It is a meteor shower of what-ifs. What if I don't get the promotion? What if I don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for our kids and then they have crooked teeth? And what if their crooked teeth cause them to not get married, not have friends, not have a career, and then they're sitting on a street corner holding a sign that says, homeless and hungry, my parents couldn't afford braces. <laughs> Anxiety is apprehension. It's trepidation. That's different than fear, by the way. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Fear screams, get out. Anxiety thinks, what if? Anxiety can take your breath away. It's not all it will take away. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 37. It says, do not fret, do not worry. It only causes harm. Harm to your neck and to your jaw. Harm to your back and to your bowels. Harm to your sleep and to your energy. Anxiety can twist you into an emotional pretzel, can make your eyes twitch, your blood pressure rise, your head ache, and your armpits sweat. Anxiety is not fun. What is the cause of all of our anxiety? Well, for one, it's change. I was talking to a friend recently, and he said this summer he was reading a biography of Teddy Roosevelt. And in the biography, it said that around the year 1900, so turn of the century, there was a sharp uptick in nervous disorders. What was the cause of all this increased anxiety? Well, they listed three things. They said, first of all, the speed of communication, because the telegraph had just been invented. Then they said it was the noise. The noises of nature had been replaced by the noises of industrialism. And third, they said there was a rise in negative and critical journalism. My friend said, I almost dropped my Kindle reading this. He said, speed of communication. We've got the internet. 
I mean, our parents at least had to wait till the 10 o'clock news to find out about all the disasters and catastrophes that happened that day. For us, they buzz in our pocket in real time. Sounds of nature, we, we just jump in a car and turn on the radio, we hop on a plane and open up our laptop and we just keep going. And negative critical journalism, you don't even have to have a degree to do that. Everybody's got a blog, everybody's got a Twitter account, everybody can spout out strong negative opinions. Chances are you or someone you know struggles with anxiety. The thing about anxiety is it's really on a spectrum. And so I want you to know today that I'm speaking to those of you who have general levels of anxiety. If you have what I would call a clinical level of anxiety, you should go see a counselor or a doctor immediately. Many times there can be a physical cause to your anxiety. Could be your diet, could be lack of sleep, could be hormonal. But even in those cases, there's a spiritual component. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to have panic attacks about death. We had such anxiety that I would think about the fact that I would no longer live one day, and it would take my breath away. I'd have to walk around the room trying to get my breath until it would go away. From seventh grade to 11th grade, I got physically sick the first day of school. So nervous to go back to school that I was physically sick. Same thing when I went off to college. And the first 10 times that I spoke at a church in front of people, I was throwing up right before I walked up on stage. Got up on the platform in a cold sweat. I was so nervous and so anxious. And so I want to take you to a verse in the Bible that I go back to all the time. God has used this to speak his truth into my life. And I hope that you will learn this verse, memorize this verse, come back to this verse. Here's what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be something if the peace of God would fill up your heart and your mind? Is that true for you right now? Would you say that my heart, my mind, is filled up with the peace of God? It only comes from Jesus Christ. You don't get it from yoga. You don't get it from restorative yoga, power yoga, hot yoga, goat yoga. That's a real thing. YouTube it. Goat yoga. You don't get it from deep breathing exercises, meditation, tranquility candles. Some of those may help you at times. But the deep down peace in your soul only comes from Jesus Christ. And so in this verse, I see four ways that we can battle our anxiety on a daily basis. And I use the word battle very intentionally. Because for some of you, this side of heaven, you are going to struggle with anxiety most of your life. But you can begin to win victories. You can begin to win the battle. Here's the first way that you do that. Celebrate the goodness of God. So back to the verse, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything to which I respond Really? Anything? If he had said, be anxious about less, I would have said, oh, okay, I can maybe do that. If he would have said, don't be anxious on the weekends, Monday through Friday is fine, but Saturday, Sunday, you know, give it a break. Okay, I could maybe do that. But he says, do not be anxious about anything. Context helps us here because Paul wrote this originally in the Greek language, and he used a tense known as the present active. 
And what that implies is an ongoing state. In other words, all of us are going to be anxious from time to time. Something's going to happen in your life that's going to cause you to worry or to be anxious. But don't live there. Don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. In fact, Paul goes on in the next verse. He says, but in every situation, every situation in your life, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So he says, when you're anxious, you got to pray. you got to petition God and say, God, take this away. But then he adds this word, strangely, thanksgiving. Researchers have found that gratitude or thanksgiving increases your self-confidence. It leads to a longer life and a better quality of sleep. If gratitude came in a pill form, it would be considered a miracle cure. It's not surprising then that Paul prescribes thanksgiving or gratitude in the battle against anxiety. I want to point out to you that Paul wrote these words when he was in a prison cell. Because if he wrote it on the beach, I'd go, okay, yeah, right. Sitting on the beach, sun in your face, hey, don't be anxious about anything. I'm like, okay, easy for you to say. But he wrote these words in a prison cell. There was no sunlight. There was no warm sand on your feet. Instead, it was cold concrete. Chains around your wrists and around your ankles. Prison guards standing next to you. How could Paul say, do not be anxious in that kind of situation? Here's how he had a different list. He didn't wake up in the morning and go, oh man, what if I die in this prison cell? What if everything goes wrong? I can't believe I'm in here. And what if people don't even read these letters I'm writing? He didn't do that. He woke up in the morning and he said, God, thank you for the promise of eternal life. I'm alive today. I have breath. I have the forgiveness of sins. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul had a different list. Here's what I hope you believe today. What you have in Christ is greater than anything that you don't have in life. See, we often focus on what we don't have in life, but what you have in Christ is far greater. Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. You have that. You have the promise of eternal life. You have the promise where Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You have that. Moods fluctuate, circumstances come and go. But when you thank God for the good things in your life, you will have peace. Here's the second way to battle your anxiety, and it's this. Ask for help. So look at what Paul says. He says, present your requests to God. Max Lucado has written a great book called Anxious for Nothing. And I use so much of this book in my message, I couldn't quote him every time. So I just want to show you the book and go, if you want to study this further, you got to pick up this book. But in this book, he gives an analogy. He says, imagine you're a 10-year-old boy, you're outside playing with your friends, and you roll your ankle, just kind of twist it. And you fall down in a hump, and you're screaming out loud, and your dad comes outside, takes off your shoe, looks at your ankle, and says, you're going to be fine, it's just a sprain. And you argue with him, you're like, no, no, it's broken, I'm not going to be fine. And your dad looks at you and goes, do you know what I do for a living? Actually, you don't. You know he gets up early in the morning and goes off to work. You know he works at a hospital and he helps people, but that's about it. And so the next day you travel with him to his work and you walk into his office and you see these awards and diplomas on the wall. And they use words like honorary and distinguished. And then your father's phone buzzes and he's called into surgery. 
Turns out he's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in ankles. And so you watch him perform a reconstructive ankle surgery. And that night on the way home, your dad looks at you and says, your ankle's going to be fine. And this time you believe him. Because as your knowledge and understanding of your father increases, your anxiety begins to decrease. Friends, as your knowledge and your understanding of your heavenly father increases, your anxiety begins to decrease. When you believe that God holds the world in the palm of his hands, not just intellectually believe that, but you believe that to your core, you don't get so worried about terrorists, about Iran, about elections or natural disasters, because you know that your God is in control. When you believe that God holds you in the palm of his hand, you're not so anxious about that bully at school. You're not so anxious about that person at work because you know that your God will protect you. As your knowledge and understanding of your heavenly father increases, your anxiety begins to decrease. Every summer, our family goes to Trout Lake Family Camp up north. And one of the things they have at Trout Lake Family Camp is called the blob. And I don't know how to describe it to you other than it's a blob. It's this big rubber thing that they put out in the middle of the lake. And the way that it works is that one person sits on the edge of the blob and another person climbs up a ladder to a diving platform. They then jump down onto the blob and the other person goes flying. Several years ago, some good friends of ours came up and the dad is a former professional football player. His preteen son was sitting out on the edge of the blob as he climbed up to this platform to jump down. We're talking about a several hundred pound difference. I want you to take a look at what happened. Now, here's the thing I've noticed about the blob. The person who's sitting out on the edge, they don't really do anything. I mean, they fly through the air, but, but they don't fly through the air based on their own power and strength. They fly through the air based on the strength and power of their father. The bigger the father, the further you fly. How big is our heavenly father? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, one God... And Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That's your Heavenly Father. Psalm 121, David writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He says, Lift up your eyes. People who struggle with anxiety, they tend to have this posture where they're kind of looking down and they're looking at their problems and they're looking at their circumstances and they're like, oh, this isn't going to go very well. And what if this goes wrong? And why didn't they text me back? And I think they might be upset. And they're just looking down. He said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes to the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Some of us need to pray a prayer like this this week and just say, God, I'm so anxious right now. I'm so worried right now. But you are the Lord. You are the maker of heaven and earth. 
And if you can do that, you can solve my problem. You can take my anxiety. You can work this out for my good. And so right now, God, I'm trusting you to do that. You have to ask the Father. Here's the third way to battle your anxiety, and it's leave your concerns. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, cast. Such a good word. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. To cast something means to throw it, to relocate an object. Maybe this analogy will help. Have you ever dropped your car off before at a mechanic? Try to figure out the problem, couldn't figure it out, so you dropped it off. And you explain what was going on, and then you did what? Did you say to the mechanic, hey, I got my tools in the car. I'll go get them. I'll help you. We'll do this together. No, you probably didn't do that. Did you say, you know, I got a cooler and a sleeping bag and a folding chair. I'll just come in. I'm going to hang out, you know, while you work on this. No, you didn't do that either. Because the relationship between a mechanic and a client is pretty simple. You leave it. They fix it. And they'll call you when it's done. Is it too simple to say that that should be our protocol with God? You leave it, you cast it, you let him fix it. He'll call you when it's done. He doesn't need your advice, he doesn't need your counsel, he doesn't need your help. Some of us need to say out loud, I resign as the ruler of this universe. I don't have to be the one to figure this out or to worry about this. I'm going to cast my anxieties on him. But see, here's what oftentimes happens. We pray, we cast our anxieties. We say, God, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. And then the next day we go, well, what's taking him so long? Problem hasn't been solved. And we start worrying again. And so you might have to cast, and then you might have to cast again tomorrow, and then you might have to cast again 10 minutes later and keep casting and keep saying, God, I'm leaving this with you. Here's the fourth way to battle your anxiety. Meditate on good things. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But then in the next section, he starts what seems to be a new thought, but I I think they're connected. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You pick what you ponder. You didn't get to pick your birth date or your birthplace. You don't get to decide how much salt is in the ocean or what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. But you do get to decide what you think about. I'll talk to people all the time who will say, oh, I'm struggling with my anxiety. I'm worrying so much. And sometimes, not all the time, but I'll ask them this question. I'll say, hey, what what do you watch on TV? What kind of TV shows are you watching lately? What kind of movies are you taking in? What kind of music are you listening to? What are you looking at online? What websites do you visit most often? How would you say you use your free time? Do you go on social media or do you ever read the Bible? What do you spend your time thinking about? And when they tell me, often I go, well, of course you're anxious. Of course you're worried. You're filling up your mind with all sorts of things that would create anxiety. You need to turn your thoughts to the Lord. Isaiah says that in chapter 26. He says that God will keep in perfect peace. Wouldn't you love to be able to tell someone, oh, I have perfect peace. How are you doing lately? Instead of saying busy, say, I'm in perfect peace. 
says, God will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. How often do your thoughts turn to the Lord? If you think about yesterday or the day before, how often did you pause and think about God? How often did you think about the promises that God's made to you? How often do you think about the good things that God's done in your life? How, how often do you turn your thoughts to him? Or are you listening to the wrong voices? Several years ago, I heard a story about an experienced spelunker, which is someone who explores caves. And they had discovered this beautiful cavern of caves that was unlike anything they'd ever seen. And so they wanted to share it with someone. So they invited their friend Danny to come explore this system of caves, but Danny had never been cave exploring before. So they got into the cave, and right away, the passageway started to get smaller. And so Danny kind of had to duck down to get through this cave. And then he had to start to crawl to get through these openings in the rock. To Danny's horror, it got even tighter. In order to get through this cave, this opening in the rock, he had to lie on his back with his arms on his side and push his way through using his feet. Then it got so tight that anytime he would take in a breath, he would get stuck. So in order to get through this cave, he would have to exhale, push his way through, try to get a breath, and then do it again. You getting claustrophobic yet? I get a little willy just telling this story. But Danny started to have a panic attack. He's stuck in this cave, in the you know, claustrophobic dark, and he's thinking, I'm going to die. I can't go back. I can't go forward. I'm going to dive in this cave. He, he starts to have a panic attack. And so his guide, sensing what was happening, he yells out to Danny. He said, Danny, you just got to listen to my voice. Don't listen to the voices in your head. If, if you do, you're just going to go crazy. I've been through this cave before. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I promise you. But I need you to listen to my voice. Danny died in that cave. Just kidding. Yeah, he... <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't like that story. Tell a different story next time. No, no, he, he made it all the way through, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> but here's my point. When you get stuck in life, whose voice are you listening to? When you feel like the world is caving in around you, and you're getting so anxious and so worried, whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth? Or are you listening to all these voices in your head telling you, what if, what if, what if? Are you listening to people on TV or on your Twitter feed? Or are you listening to God? If you look at my points again, celebrate God's goodness, ask for help, leave your concerns, meditate on good things. The first letter spells out calm. There are some of us who need some calm in our life. You've got money, you've got things going on, but you don't have peace. You don't have the deep down in your soul peace that only Jesus offers. 
So today I want to close a little differently. I want to invite you just to sit back in your seat for a moment. We're always racing around, but just sit back, take a breath if you want to, close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. And I'm going to read to you some verses from the Bible. And as I read these, I want you to think about the one thing in your life that you are the most anxious about right now. The one thing in your life that you are the most worried about. And as I read these verses, I hope that they're more than just a Bible verse. I hope it's the voice of God speaking to you. That whatever you're anxious about, that one of these verses, God would just go, hey, this is for you. John 16, 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalm 55. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him, for he cares about you. Isaiah 26. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Some of us might be wondering that question today. God, I need help. Where's my help going to come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. Let's pray together. God, each of us has something in our life that we're worried about. Every one of us has something in our life that we're anxious about. God, right now in this moment, we cast that upon you. We leave that with you. God, I pray for those of us who spent this last year worrying and anxious and it began to define our life life God I pray that you would set us free that you would help us to have a peace that goes beyond our human understanding that you would give us a perfect peace deep down in our soul and God we turn to you we turn our thoughts to you we look to you for our help 
We cast all of our anxieties upon you, God, and we thank you that you care about us and you love us enough to take them. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody.